You might have heard of the rapture one of the countless times a religious zealot has predicted the end of the world. But what will happen to those of us left behind? With a limited capacity of about 200 million people, by some accounts, what we really should be talking about is the tribulation. Today, we'll talk about what will allegedly happen to the 7.6 billion of us who will be left behind. A man who sent red cows to Israel to kickstart the apocalypse and what effect losing 3% of the global population will have on the rest of the world. Next, on Technically a Conversation. you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? I am all good. All good in the hood, as the kids say. No, I'm kidding. I don't think they say that. How are you? <laughs> doing good also. Good. Trying to adjust to the time change. It's always tough springing forward but I'm definitely enjoying the extra hour of daylight in the evening. It is nice. And if the new Senate bill passes in the House, we might not have to go through another time change as early as next year. I know. Gosh, it would be so lovely. This is super ridiculous. This is when the few times I say, oh, I do wish I lived in Phoenix because I know like Arizona doesn't go through that. Yeah, but they're stuck in whatever their time zone is. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the daylight savings time because I enjoy having the daylight more towards the later half of the day. But um, yeah, you know, it's just tough getting used to losing that one hour of sleep. I still haven't recovered. Yeah, you feel groggy for like a whole two weeks or something. <laughs> and the good thing about the Senate bill, if it passes, will just remain on daylight savings time and we'll get the best of both worlds. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so quick reminder about our contest before we get started. If you enjoy our show, take two minutes to write us a review. What should they do again, Isela? All they got to do is pause the show and go to wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave us a favorable review. Take a really quick screenshot, send it on over to one of our socials. You'll find all the deets at www.technicallyaconversation.com and you'll see the banner right at the top. Can't miss it. That's right. Or just check the show notes. And to those of you who have already left us a review, thank you. Thank you so much. Totally helps, guys. Also wanted to do a quick special shout out to the queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B, and Elba. It's been a while since we shouted Elba out. We missed you. Yes. Welcome back. And I'm glad that all is well. Yes. Again, thank you for sharing our social media posts. Also, extra special shout out to the Duke for guessing the last three podcast teasers we posted on the Twitters. I know. What the heck? He's uh, he's totally on it with his little fast googly fingers, I bet. <laughs> he's a great detective like the Batman. Oh, Batman. I am vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> so with all that out of the way, ready to get started? I am ready. Let's do this. Great. Let's get started. <laughs> so Isela, have you ever heard of the rapture? The actual biblical rapture, not the songs from Blondie or Morbid Angel. The biblical rapture? Um, oh man, I would imagine I did since I went to Sunday school for so long. What do you remember about it? 
I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure I did. I just don't. I don't know. <laughs> I went to Sunday school, but I don't know if they focused so much on like, you know, maybe more so on Genesis versus the end of the world. Okay. Well, from a Britannica entry on the rapture, according to Paul in his first letter to the Thessalonians, Jesus will come down from the heavens. A trumpet call will raise the dead who believed in Christ and his followers who were alive will rise to the clouds to meet the Lord in the sky. Most world religions believe in some type of afterlife. There are exceptions, of course, but the afterlife is usually a common theme and the ultimate prize for not being an asshole. <laughs> now, the rapture itself is a belief mainly held by evangelical Christians who predict the end of the world every couple of years, presumably when business gets kind of slow. Right. <laughs> That's convenient, right? <laughs> and we'll talk about that. Okay. I think I've survived six or seven raptures since I've learned that that was a thing. Now, I'm not going to judge or really talk too much about faith or religion or any of that. I just wanted to create a baseline so that we're all on the same page when we talk about today's topic. Got it. The only other thing that I will add is that belief in the rapture is often connected to the millennium, as mentioned in chapter 20 of the Revelation of John. So it's no surprise that the most interesting Modern writings about the rapture came out in 1999. Ah, very interesting. Okay. So far, the rapture is pretty straightforward, right? Yep. The next part, which is actually going to be what our topic is going to be about, is a little trickier. It's really hard to find concise information as it seems like things are all over the place. According to a book by Daniel Speck, I found from 2014, the second coming will be in 2030. 2016 was the start of the seven years of plenty for us to prepare, and the tribulation will start next year in 2023. So you might want to hold off on making any plans next year. <laughs> Just a little tip. <laughs> okay. So what's this tribulation that is allegedly going to take place next year? Have you ever heard of that term? Tribulation? I've heard of the, the word. <laughs> The whole like trials and tribulations for whatever reason, they're always combined together. <laughs> right. And of course, the excellent metal band tribulation. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you do a cursory Google search, tribulation simply means a state of great trouble or suffering. So if you're one of the 200 million people or approximately 3% of the population that will be taken in the rapture, you don't have to worry about any of this. If you're part of the 7.6 billion people that will be left behind, this is what is predicted. So I wanted to focus on what it is and what it could be like for those of us that will possibly be left behind. We'll talk a little bit about where I got those numbers in the second part of the show. Those numbers aren't important right now. Okay. So we're going to talk about the tribulation. Let's go straight to the source. According to an article on Christianity.com titled, What is Tribulation? Bible Meaning and Significance? No author was given, but there are four things that are predicted. One out of every two people will die during the tribulation, so we'll be down to 3.8 billion people. Some will die through the ravages of war, others from starvation, and some by the beasts of the earth. Oh. Sadly, these beasts were not explained. <laughs> it's really hard for me to picture a beast when somebody just says beast. Right. What do you imagine, Isela? I don't know. I mean, it could be something as common as like some kind of like a wolf or something, maybe like a big ass wolf, you know, maybe all like rabies ridden or something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's kind of the first thing I think of is something that my mind 
knows and kind of has seen before. Yeah. For some reason, I, I picture Beast Man, the right-hand man of Skeletor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's just me. Well, it's very, I mean, it's in the name, so I can see why you would go there. Second prediction, one third of all vegetation will be burned up. All grass, every tree, and everything green will be destroyed. Personally, I'm hoping weeds are included in that since they're green. <laughs> Take one of our problems out of the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one might not be too bad. <laughs> Number three is a fun one. The sun and moon will be darkened as nature goes into revolt. The gates of hell will open and hordes of locusts the size of horses will come up on the earth. Oh my God. Locusts the size of horses. That's like very nightmare fodder. These locusts will sting men like scorpions, as locusts do, and the pain will last five months. What? Oh my God, this is horrific. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could say that I was making this up, but I'm not making this up. Wow. Men will beg God to let them die, but they will not die. Men were specifically called out, so women, I think you all are safe on this one. Number four, there will be a worldwide famine like nothing the world has ever seen before. There will be a world war so bloody that the blood of those killed will flow 200 miles up the bridle of a horse in the valley of Jezreel. I think that's in Fabens, no? Right next to the Don Panchos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right next to Speedies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is crazy. This will be the Battle of Armageddon. So the only way to avoid... All the delights that this tribulation brings is to be raptured. Next question. How many people actually believe in the rapture and the tribulation? Great question, Isela. <laughs> the Pew Research Center conducted a survey in 2010, and 41% of Americans believe in the second coming and believe that it will happen by 2050. So it could potentially be within your lifetime, Isela. Hmm, that's interesting. So being that a little less than half of the population believe this, the following will come as no surprise to you. But this doomsday business is big business. And it was especially big business right before the turn of the millennium. According to an April 2nd, 1999 episode of This American Life titled Apocalypse, Ira Glass reported that a series of novels called Left Behind that predicted what would happen after the rapture and during the years of tribulation crossed over from the Christian bestsellers list to the New York Times bestsellers list. Oh, wow. So this series of four books, audiobooks, a video, and a special series for young people called Left Behind for Kids, which sounds super fun, collectively <laughs> sold about 6 million copies. Oh my gosh, that's... <laughs> wow, okay. <sighs> so I think right now would be a great time to take a little break. Yes. And when we return, we'll talk about a farmer who's been breeding red cows and sending them to Israel since the 1990s to bring about the end of days. Oh, wow. He's openly trying. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the Science and Technology Advanced Research Laboratories is the largest international chain of non-governmental laboratories in the world, and we are now hiring. We're seeking the best and brightest scientists and researchers at three of our most prestigious locations. If you have a background in biomechatronics, hypergenics, xenoscience, or nanotechnology, send your resumes to our Metropolis branch. 
attention Dr. Silas Stone and Dr. Ryan Choi. If dark matter and metahuman biology are more your thing, look no further than our Central City location, led by Dr. Harrison Wells, Dr. Caitlin Snow, and Francisco Ramon. For those more interested in weaponry and defense, our Chicago branch, headed up by Theodore Cord, is interested in you. Star Labs are leading the world in exciting new technological discoveries that are bringing us tomorrow's world today. Come, be part of it. We offer full medical and dental insurance. How was your break, Isela? It was not too bad. Just had some water. Nothing exciting other than kind of dancing away. I miss seeing your dancing. You were breaking it down right there. I was trying to do the worm, but there's only one person that can do the worm like you. <laughs> no, a worm. That <laughs> <laughs> so was your water. Was it tasty? It was nice and somewhat chilly. So I don't like very, very cold water, but it's perfect. It was perfect temperature. Did you send any red cows to Israel to kickstart the apocalypse? Dude, I cannot believe what I'm about to hear because how is someone trying to kickstart it? And then by cows? Oh my God, so many questions. I'm very, it was quite the cliffhanger, actually. <laughs> so hopefully I'll have the answers for you. Yeah, let's hope, because I will ask questions. Great. Let's talk about my man, Clyde Lott. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any recent articles to see how long he sent red cows to Israel. Sadly, he passed away in 2021, so we know for sure he's not still doing it. Now, this is from the same This American Life episode we referred to earlier, and a PBS article titled, Forcing the End, by Lawrence Wright. So Clyde Lott is a farmer and Pentecostal preacher. He was also one of the leading cattle breeders in the Southeast, which is where his fascination with cows came from. So how does a red cow fit into the apocalypse? Excellent question, Isela. <laughs> Before the Messiah can return, there are three prophecies that have to be fulfilled. Number one, the establishment of the state of Israel. Number two, Jerusalem must be a Jewish city. Number three, the Jewish temple which was destroyed by the Romans in 79 AD, must be rebuilt and reestablished as the center of Jewish worship. Number one and number two have already been accomplished. Right. Number three is more complicated because it's almost a Rube Goldberg machine of things that must be accomplished. So first and foremost, it can't be any regular old red cow. It specifically has to be a red heifer that must be born in Israel and must be without spot or blemish. That's so ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> That's so crazy, isn't it? In addition to that, cows don't do too well in the Middle East climate. So Clyde had to engineer a particular type of red heifer that would thrive in that environment. Lot also estimated that they would need about 200 head of cattle to be able to produce one of these blemish-free red heifers born in Israel. But he was hoping to fly 300 head of heifers and 15 to 20 bulls. I just wanted to let you know, I think the pronunciation is heifer. You're probably right. No. <laughs> Heifer's way more fun. I'm going to tell you right now. Heifer Sutherland, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the playtime is endless with that one. It's spelled H-E-I-F-E-R. Right. It's, I think it's pronounced heifer. We'll go with the heifer pronunciation from here on out. <laughs> okay. I didn't know. Sorry. I don't know English too well. No, you, you do. <laughs> You do, I swear. Words are hard, Isela. Words are very hard. <laughs> they are hard. I didn't, anyway, sorry. So once they have this red heifer that's free of blemish and spots, 
the most difficult part of this ordeal will be upon them. In order to restore the Jewish temple in its original form, in its original site, they would have to tear down two holy Islamic sites, the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock is the oldest building in Islam and one of its holiest sites. Muslims believe that Muhammad ascended to heaven on his winged steed from this exact spot. If the Jewish people would decide to tear down these Islamic mosques, it would surely incite a religious war that we haven't seen since the Crusades. So assuming the unblemished red heifer is born in Israel and the Jewish people rebuild the temple without starting World War III, the red heifer must then be sacrificed and burned and mixed with water drawn from the pool of Siloam. This concoction would then be used to purify the ground for the temple, purify the temple itself, and finally it would be sprinkled on the Jewish people themselves to purify them. And the reason they need to be purified is because according to Jewish law, all Jews today are impure because of their direct and indirect contact with the dead. This ritual has only been done nine times in the history of the Jewish people, and the tenth time it's done is when the Messiah will finally return. Ten times the charm, as I always say. Right. <laughs> this is so crazy. Wow. It's wild that they would think, okay, I'm sure in the prophecy it says we're going to have this perfect heifer, but in order for it to grow there, we're going to have to make some genetic modifications so that it can live in this part of the world. And I don't think that was part of the, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think that was part of the prophecy. <laughs> it's so, so silly. Anyway. It's crazy the lengths that people will go to. Yes. And being that both of these reference sources are from 1999, it's safe to assume this has not happened yet. So let's fast forward 12 years to 2011. Let's assume a red heifer without spot or blemish is born in sacrifice, the Jewish temple is restored, the rapture has happened, and the tribulation has begun. What would it actually be like losing so many people at once? So according to Christian radio broadcaster Harold Camping, May 21st, 2011, was the day the rapture was supposed to happen. Obviously, it didn't. Right, here we are. Yep, we're still here. <laughs> Unless we're going still through the tribulation. A simulation, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, obviously it didn't happen, but Live Science decided to do a thought experiment. In an article titled, What if 200 million people go missing on Saturday? By Stephanie Papas. They threw out some theories of how things might be different and possibly better for those of us that are left behind. The 200 million people number was Harold Camping's estimate of how many people would be ascending into heaven. So that's the number life science used for this thought experiment. So I updated these numbers a little bit just because they were a little out of date, but I kept the ratios and everything as exact as I could. So these numbers were modified by me to be more exact according to 2023 or 2022 numbers. Okay. So considering that we're approaching 8 billion people, 200 million is not a very large number by comparison, but would be roughly three years of growth, according to Paul Ehrlich, a professor at Stanford University Center for Conservation Biology. According to the CIA World Factbook, 56.6 million people die each year. So it would be equivalent to quadruple the number of people that die each year in a Thanos-like snap of the fingers. <laughs> This would be roughly 3% of the world's population gone in an instant. So spread out over the world's population, it really wouldn't have a significant ecological impact. But if those 200 million people would be concentrated in America, 
it would have a huge impact on the world as a whole. The reason for this is because while the U.S. only has 5% of the world's population, they consume 25% of the world's petroleum. Oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a huge number. Yeah. And if those that are left behind were mostly climate change believers, you might see a renewed support for greenhouse gas reduction. So possible, positive. And you know me, I always like to look at the positive, the bright side of everything. Yeah, especially during the rapture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> However, there are two huge disadvantages. According to Taggart J. Brooks, an economist at the University of Wisconsin, La Crosse, we would lose 3% of our productive capacity. The knowledge that we have in our heads for how to combine things and how to produce things or provide services would be gone in an instant. That's true. This can be considered human capital. He does state that over time, the economy would adjust, but the transition would be difficult. The most daunting challenge, however, would be the psychological one. What if one of your siblings or children or closest friends were one of the 200 million? Josh Klapau, a clinical psychologist at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, states that people need social connectedness. Even after Hurricane Katrina, residents who stayed in New Orleans reported a loss of community closeness because so many people decided not to return. Cities like Galveston, Texas, which lost 15% of its population after Hurricane Ike hit in 2008, still struggle with abandoned buildings and the loss of the tax base. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even if you think about COVID, there hasn't been that many people that have died, like, you know, hundreds of millions, but still even in the United States, I feel like someone always knows someone who has passed of COVID. So it kind of feels at least more present. Yeah. And that's really what brings the whole gravity of it home. Just knowing somebody who is no longer with us. Right. So on that high note, we hope that you enjoyed the show. <laughs> oh I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm like, please don't tell me this NPR. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We got to end on a high note. Of course. So we got a couple of reviews this week, Isela. Would you like me to read them? Yes, I'm very excited for you to share. Awesome. The first one is from none other than the Duke, Stephen B. Yay. He gave us an awesome five-star review. He says, I've listened to this podcast since the very start, and every week Isela and Jose bring something interesting to their podcast feed. They have a laid-back style of presenting and bounce off each other very well. I would highly recommend everyone to give them a listen. Thank you so much, Stephen. I think um, even the fact that you said that you've started, you know, you, you've listened from the start, rather, that means you hung in on all those <laughs> really bad episodes where we, <laughs> I mean, clearly we don't necessarily always know what we're doing, but I think we're slowly starting to get a little bit better. So thank you for hanging in with us. <laughs> yes, we do appreciate it. I know the first couple of episodes were really rough. We're always learning something for sure. And we're glad that everybody is along to help learn with us. Absolutely. I think these are fun conversations to be had. I would have never thought to look up the rapture. That's crazy. <laughs> and then you know what to think that I want to say it's like 90% of the globe believes in like a God, some kind of like a deity. I mean, when I got that stat, that was a long time ago. So I wonder how far, I mean, what that would look like now. And after the millennium, this whole like, crazy. Everybody was insane about like the Mayan calendar and this is where it ends and all this bunch of stuff. I'd like to have like a before and after poll. Like, did you believe this? 
okay, like, 60% believed it. And then afterwards, then they're going to, you know, everyone's like, nah, I didn't believe in that shit. You're like, well, you said you did. <laughs> you know, I'd like to know the disparity between the before and after. Well, you know, what's funny is with those type of, I don't want to call them cults, but the doomsday prophets, they end up getting a following. And you would think that after their prediction doesn't happen, that all oh, everybody would end up leaving them. But they actually end up doubling down and say, oh, no, it's I missed it. Um, I forgot to carry the six when I was doing my my maths. <laughs> so it's actually going to be in 10 more years or whatever. Yeah, I, th I think it just goes back that goes back to, you know, people want to believe in something. And unfortunately, those people that are charismatic and, you know, that are like these cult leaders uh, or that become these cult leaders, they kind of prey on those people that are very gullible. And, you know, I mean, if you haven't seen that documentary on HBO about, um, oh my God, it was uh, not Heaven's Gate, but the, um, oh my God, the guy, they got the girl that was uh, in Star Wars also involved in this like sex cult thing. Are you talking about Nexium with the girl from Smallville? Yes, thank you. Okay, I think you confused when you said Star Wars. So I was like, oh, I don't remember anybody from Star Wars, but I do know the girl from Smallville was part of the Nexium cult. Yeah, that Nexium cult. Like everybody talked about how like charismatic he was, and everybody wanted to believe in this because it was like you. They felt like they were doing good, but I get it. People want to believe in something. I want to believe in something too, but I just think we have to be very selective on what we're really giving an ear too. And thank you for the ears that are listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, he's had a couple of the people from Smallville that were part of that cult because um, that girl that, that was in it, uh, I'm trying to remember her name, but... Um, Allison something. Allison Mack. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, she had recruited a bunch of people that were, I guess, friends of hers from acting and all that. So there were a couple of people from Smallville that they were they were part of that. So he's interviewed them and gotten their side of the story a little bit. And it's just the way that it was presented to them. It was presented to them as being a self-help group. So everybody was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I could definitely use some self-help and work on my confidence a little bit. We could all benefit from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the longer that you're in it, the more you become brainwashed. And I think that's a reason why some of these people that, you know, they, they have the doomsday predictions and they don't happen they double down on it, you know, because it becomes a large part of their life. Like it goes from being a hobby to being their life for three, five, 10 years. And what do you do when all you know, it? it's like when you've been in a long-term relationship, you've been with somebody for a couple of years and then that relationship ends. And it's almost like you don't even know who you are anymore because your whole life has been pretty much you and that person. Revolving around that person. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I think that's where people have to find that balance though, even in a relationship, since I think people are more in relationships than probably in cults, <laughs> probably make that more relatable. But I think even in a relationship, you have to find that balance where you are not necessarily connected at the hip and you guys still have a separate life. Like, yes, be your best friend and this is your confident, your confidant, etc. But, you know, you don't want to like give away all the things that still make you who you are like if you're a person that is always volunteering on whatever and then all of a sudden 
those are the days that like, oh, now he has to do things with his family and you got to go now too. And then of course, at first you're like, oh, I want to go because I love him, blah, blah, blah. But then you slowly start kind of chipping away at your personality or whatever. And I think as you get older, you learn those things. But you know, when you're younger, I think you have a harder time balancing your emotions. So it's easier to just get caught up by one emotion and just giving a hundred percent, which normally it's not bad. It's not bad to give a hundred percent to one emotion, but when you're left without that emotion, your world pretty much crumbles. I mean, I think that's part of just early relationships and learning and stuff like that, which makes me wonder though, what about those people that like married their like middle school sweetheart and stuff like that? Like, I guess they never learned that lesson and they really do just, they really are just connected at the hip all the time. I mean, those, those stories are really sweet too, you know? Yeah. I think that there's definitely people that are like that, that they need to have that person and, you know, you hear about it. That, oh, one of the people dies and the next person dies a few days later or a couple of weeks later. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Padme when she was told that Anakin had died. She just gave up the will to live. I like how we, we're taking it back to Star Wars. Hopefully everyone's seen that. Um, if not, <laughs> granted, that was like 10 years ago or more. Yeah, spoiler alert for episode three. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so as much as I enjoy talking Star Wars, we also got a review from QGuitar14. They say, informative, catchy, and fun. The hosts have a great way of presenting information I otherwise would have never come across. Give this a listen. You won't be disappointed. Very awesome review. Thank you so much for submitting that in. Yes, we do appreciate it. And this helps us to get recommended by the algorithms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is definitely our goal. Exactly what he said. Though That's our goal. To be in the rapture. No. <laughs> no. The tribulation. No. What the, what the Q guitar said. That we're catchy and it's informative and it's things that you would probably never think to Google. And like, now you have it. There you go. We just Google for you. Exactly. Consider us your personal Google. Yes. With way more vulgarities. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we did not drop any profanity in this one. I'm kind of proud of us. Uh, I did say asshole. Oh, you, oh yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, you did say that for the people that are... That are keeping count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, escaping me. So like with every episode, all the source material mentioned will be in the show notes. We hope that you enjoyed the show and that you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC, email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us. You know you do. Share your rapture stories. <laughs> All right. <laughs>